0: Good morning, church. Um, It's lovely to see your faces this morning. I'll open up your Bibles to Philippians 2, looking at verses 5 to 8, looking at this idea of humility, the ultimate humility of Christ, and how we, as followers of Christ, are to imitate that. To begin with, let me just say that we live in a generation That pride is exalted as virtue, and humility is looked on as a weakness. We look at today's society, and you see evidence of pride everywhere. Self-glory, self-esteem, self-promotion, self-pleasure, self-fulfillment. I deserve that. I deserve this. You're under me. If it wasn't for me, look at me. It's all about me. What's in it for me? Selfie of me. Me, me, me. And on and on the list goes. That's an attitude. That stems from a prideful heart. A heart that is desperate for attention and respect. A heart that is hungry to be adored. A heart that prefers some people over others. A heart that is so consumed in themselves that their thoughts are so far from God. A heart that makes everything about me. Elevating me. A heart that uses the good name of the Lord to promote me. My carnal desires, my carnal satisfactions, my carnal happiness, which leads to knowing very little about sacrifice. And maybe, just maybe, we can be blind to our own pridefulness. And this morning I come from a place of truth and love, to remind and to encourage you and myself of the attitude that Christ had, an attitude that serves others. An attitude that loved others. An attitude that didn't think about himself. An attitude that left the comforts of his dwelling place to come to suffer in a place of where humans dwell. A place where sin runs rampant. A place where people turn from God. A place where people are lovers of self. A place where people build their own kingdoms. A place where babies are murdered in the womb. A place of greed. A place that God made good but man made bad. If you lived outside of that place, why would you want to enter it? I wouldn't enter it. Why would I leave my throne, my riches, my comfort, my sufferings, no tears, no place, no pain, place for the place of where humans dwell? Because in myself, I am just as prideful of people here on the earth. Praise the Lord that I'm, that I'm not God. But we have a God who had every right to be comfortable from a position of power in heaven. But his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of you and me. In his humility, he did that. And as he follows, we are called to imitate that same humility. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is calling the Philippian Christians and us today to live lives in service to others, esteem others more, humble ourselves. And to motivate us, Paul does here in verses 5 to 8 to turn to the example of Christ. This passage is probably the greatest New Testament passage on God becoming man. But as strong as it is theologically, the passage is first and foremost application. The purpose of this passage is to give us an illustration of humility. Christ's perfect, ultimate example of humbling himself. We're going to see the example of Paul saying it in Philippians 2. 2, 3, 4. Esteem others better than yourself. Humble yourself. Think of others' needs first and what that picture looks like in the ultimate example of Christ. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. I'll read from verses 1 just to give a bit of context. So verse 1, uh, Philippians 2. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, If there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look at your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also In Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, verses 1 to 4, Paul gives us the principle of what he wants us to apply in our daily lives. Verses 5 to 8, Paul gives us the picture of how Jesus Christ applied this to his life here on earth. So let's unpack this, starting in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's an attitude check for ourselves. An attitude that's in line with the attitude of Christ. A mindset that's in line with the mindset of Christ. What's the mindset of Christ? Christ. Look at verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So the mindset of Christ is what? A mindset that esteems others better than yourself. A mindset that humbles yourself. A mindset that thinks of others' needs first. That's the attitude that should be in you and me. How we live this attitude externally needs to stem from internally first. Look at the verse again. Have this attitude in yourselves. The attitude needs to be in you before it can be expressed out of you. Why? Because it is God who works in you, it is God who changes the heart, it is God who lives in you. If it is merely external, then it's nothing but a an act of self righteousness. Self praise, looking to be recognized. We are called to have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Think like Christ leads to walking like Christ. Verse six Now Paul is going to tell us what esteem others better than yourselves looks like. What humbling yourself looks like. What think of others first looks like in the next few verses. Verse 6, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Paul is, Paul is describing the preexistence of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus existed before he was ever born as a baby. Jesus, who is the second person of the Trinity, eternal God. He is by nature in the form of God, fully God, truly God, always has been, always will be. That word form, or some translations will say being, in the Greek translates the word morphe. Meaning it signifies a form which is truly and fully the being of that person. Not in a physical form, not in the way he looks, but in him he has the attributes and the characteristics of God. The inward attributes of God were expressed outwardly in who Jesus was. God's power, God's glory, God's majesty. God's authority, his love, his patience, his compassion. I'll give you an example. When you see a golfer and you go, wow, that golfer has great form. And you're saying, wow, well, are you saying, he's well, wow, is he shaped like a golfer? No, what you're saying is displaying the attributes of a great golfer. That makes sense? He was in the morphe of God. Same attributes, same characteristics, same essence as God the Father. And so the, the greatest way to understand the morphe of God is to look at Jesus. How Jesus spoke is how God the Father would speak. The way Jesus acted is how the Father would act. If you saw Jesus serving and loving, you were watching the Father serve in love. If you saw Jesus being generous, you were watching the Father be generous. Seeing and watching Christ is how you know who God is. And how, you, how do we know Through his word. That's why studying your Bible is so important today. We study to know who Christ is. Because if you know Christ, you know the Father. If you know Christ, you know the Holy Spirit. Studying doctrine, studying theology, studying truth will lead you to see that Jesus is not just an angel. You will see he's not half God, half man. You will see he's not Michael the archangel or Lucifer's brother. But you will see that he is in the form of God. Meaning that Jesus Christ is God. He is fully God and fully man. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, and yet distinct from his Father, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, second half of verse 6, did not regard equality with God. A thing to be grasped. Here we see Jesus' humility displayed in heaven before all things were created. He was equal of God, but he did not hold tightly to that equality. In Jesus becoming a man, it begins with unselfishness. He begins with his willingness to be humbled. The Creator of heaven, where angels worshipped him, he didn't hold on to that. He left his place of worship and came dressed as a slave. Was so high and became low he was on the throne of god and ended up in a manger he was so rich and ended up so poor so sovereign and became so submissive he didn't hold on to it he let it go if anybody had the right to ever claim such a position and claim rights and claim whatever it was jesus had that right but he did not take advantage of who he was in the godhead When he came to the earth, he didn't take advantage to avoid the plan of redemption that God had created from the beginning. Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. The God who created the entire universe considered you and I important enough to come and wrap himself in humanity. To be born as a man, to live a life, and to die out there on the cross, so that we could be saved. If that's not putting others as more important than yourself. I don't know what is. Imagine myself being God. Oh, look, Kennedy, squish. Oh, look, Norm, puny people. No intent. No intent to save mankind. Why? Cause myself. I am prideful. that I will never humble myself to look at the best interests of others. I'll be so I'll be holding so tightly onto my throne never letting it go. That's not the example. That's not the example that Christ gives us. He didn't hold tightly on his equality with God. Verse 7 But emptied himself by taking f- the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Instead of taking advantage of who he was, instead of demanding rights, instead of coming to this earth and going, look, I'm the creator of all things, you guys should bow down to me. It says he emptied himself. Other translations would say he made himself of no reputation or made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He did not empty himself of his deity doesn't mean he stopped being god it means he gave up authority that was his he gave up his heavenly riches he gave up his rights and his privileges he gave up his glory he took off his robe and crown set that all aside and came dressed as a slave to voluntarily serve us he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many And then, when it says he came in the likeness of men, Christ became more than God in human body. But he took on all the attributes of humanity, even to the extent that he identified the basic human needs and weaknesses. He had to learn to grow, to experience what we experience, to go through the things we experience. He felt fear, he felt sadness, he felt happiness, he felt joy, he was hungry, he was thirsty. He was betrayed, he was poor, he suffered. He experienced all of it. He had to learn obedience. When he was on his throne, everyone obeyed him. But he put that aside. His privileges, his rights, he went through all of that so that he can identify with us. So that no human in all of history can ever say he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't understand what my situation is. He knows and he gets it. He understands that he, what he did, he could say, identify with you. Identify with the struggle. Identify with the challenges. Identify with the temptations. Identify with the struggles of following God. He became the God man. Fully God and fully man. He devoted himself to us in disregard of his own interests. He didn't consider what he did or didn't deserve as God but he did what was in our best interest. As believers we should be blown away by that reality at all times and always. because the humility that took to be the creator of everything and to say okay now I'm going to come down into the form of man and live and die for these sinful people should really boggle our minds. How would a righteous holy God come and die for me a wretched sinner A sinner who did nothing but offend God with my sin. I deserve nothing but the burning fire of hell. But by his grace, he saves us. Because of his love for you. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So to continue, he didn't just humble himself in becoming a man. He didn't stop there in his humility. He humbled himself to the point of death. Verse 8. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. Christ is a real, fully human man, while at the same time, fully God, humbled himself. He was not humbled. He humbled himself. There was no external thing, that humbled him or forced him into this humble position. He chose it. It was all his own doing. Not holding tightly to his rights, his equality with God, but he humbled himself. He humbled himself by taking a form of a man. He humbled himself by being born into poverty. He humbled himself by being obedient as a child in his household. He humbled himself by practicing a trade as a builder. He humbled himself in being patient for 30 years before launching his ministry. He humbled himself in being hungry, thirsty, and tiredness. He humbled himself in his total obedience to his Father. He humbled himself in choosing and dying on the cross. He humbled himself in in the agony of his death, the shame, the mocking, the public humiliation of his death. He humbled himself for our best interest. He chose to come. Emptying himself, making himself nobody, not being born on this earth as a king or a leader, but by his choice and his by his choice. And this message is for all of us. It's a message to prove to us anybody that has selfish ambition or pride, anybody that thinks too much of themselves, anybody that thinks that they deserve more than somebody else. The message to us is to look at humility. Consider yourself as less important than others. Don't think about your own needs, but think about the needs of others. That is the expression of a servant's heart. That humility leads to being able to do all things for one another. In Christ's ultimate expression of humility is, is uh, humiliation. It brought the ultimate obedience, the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus didn't just suffer death. Jesus went to the lowest point in his humiliation and dying as a criminal. The crucifixion. The cruelest, the most degrading form of death. Reserved for the worst criminals in Roman society. Dying as death on the cross is where we saw Christ, the God of all creation, covered in shame and covered in disgrace in the eyes of man. People walked by him, hanging on the cross, looked up at him with shame he was under. Hanging there naked, mocking him, laughing at him, spitting on him. He went through that to save you and me. Truly Christ was the humblest man who ever lived. And that is the example to us Christians. To lay aside everything we think we are. Everything we think we deserve. To lay aside all Love it. to esteem every other person around us as better than ourselves. The idea that I will drop down, I will step down, as I've heard Pastor Kennedy say in a conversation that we have to be lower than the carpet to serve others. Don't look at anybody and go, oh, you're so beneath me. You know, that job is so beneath me too. But to say I'm here to serve, I'm here to serve my brothers and sisters, I'm here to lift them up. At the end of it, you're actually serving the Lord. No matter where you are, whether it's in ministry or or manager or whatever, never consider yourselves as more important, more blessed, more favored, more deserving, more worthy than anybody else. Because if if the God of all things, perfect, holy and righteous, descended to the point of the most humiliating death on the cross, then how we dare elevate ourselves so again, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in loneliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself let each of you look not only to his own interests but also the interests of others this is the divine call for every single person in the body of Christ to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ church I, I give you a challenge today to look at yourselves, examine yourselves ask yourself the question have you humbled yourself have you denied yourself and pick up your cross daily do you count others more important than yourself is Christ the centre of your Christian living have you come to the realisation that it's not about exalting ourselves but it's about exalting our King Jesus Christ these are good questions to ask ourselves let me finish off with some passages. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Proverbs 18.12. Before destruction as a man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. Luke 14.11 For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he, he who humbles himself will be exalted. Psalm 25.9 He leads the humble to what is right and teaches the humble his way. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your son. That in his love and humbleness he leaves his kingdom to become man and die for man on that cross. We thank you for the salvation of your people, that your son accomplished through his work. We pray that you sanctify your people by living a life of humility, living a life that's worthy of your gospel. We thank you for grace and mercy. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.